They were shooting at us from our left, and when they opened up on us, we couldn't go no further. It was broad daylight, and you was a scared to raise your head up. And I was lying there, and I heard a noise I wasn't familiar with. And when I finally got my head turned around so I could see it, would you believe it was a tank? And they run that tank up there, and it kept coming, and it kept coming right at me. I don't know nothing about tanks, except it had armor and a big 75-millimeter cannon. I couldn't get up, and they run that thing straddling me. And it wasn't this high off the ground in the middle. There were only two to three inches clearance between me with my pack and Thompson submachine gun and the tank hull's bottom. There was a metal sheet they moved back, like a door in the bottom, and they pulled me up in that thing. Now you think the Lord wasn't looking after me? I couldn't do nothing. I was helpless. They pulled me up into that thing, and they ain't nobody in the history of the world been so happy to get into that thing. You could hear machine gun bullets bouncing off it. I hadn't settled down when the tank commander said, You're going to have to get your rear out of here. The Japs had hit the tank's left track in the rear and knocked it off, and that thing was just sitting there. I said, Man, I just got in here. He said, You just getting out of here, too. He said, Now there's another tank behind us. He can't come any further than he is. You get out of here and crawl out on that side, and he'll leave the turret open, and you get to that tank and get to the turret on the top. I had a Thompson on me and a pack, and I got out of that tank. The one behind may have been 75 feet or more behind, and both tanks were shooting everything they had, and bullets were bouncing off them. I run at that tank and got to one side where the tracks are. I'd never been on the top of one in my life, but I got my hand up on the turret and leapt into that tank like a jack-in-the-box and scared to death. And a crew member was in there feeding 75-millimeter rounds into the cannon. And my boondockers hit him on the shoulders, and he's cussing. And that's how I got out and back to our main troops. Later, we took that ridge at night, or we would have never got it. They had too much firepower more than we did. They tell me that was the first time the Marine Corps captured a ridge like that at night. After the battle for Okinawa ended, I was put in charge of about 30 men that were left from my company of 250 to 270 men. I was a private first class, PFC, the same as when I finished with training. But there were no officers left. The captain had been killed and the three lieutenants wounded. I set up that last line of defense on Okinawa, so far as I know. I did that because we didn't have no captain and no lieutenants and no non-commissioned officers. And when that happens, the next man immediately below in rank takes charge. And I was the next man because I had more time as a PFC than any of the others in my company. Most of them were replacements. Okinawa was the last great land battle of World War II and we won. It was a long battle. In World War II, the Lord blessed us, and we won it. We ain't won since. That's bad, but anyway, the Lord's still blessing us. I landed with my company on April 1st of 1945, and we didn't stop fighting till organized resistance ended, and the island was declared secure, which I recall was about July 2nd. We had fought continuously for about 90 days in a row. We got no relief during that time, just men to replace our dead and wounded. You talking about rank? You talking about medals? 
they ain't nobody there to give medals. The only medal is what's in your heart. If you do what you can do, you're all right. They can pile medals on you till you can't move, but that's not what really measures the man. It's what he really can do when it needs to be done.